Hi everyone, Iri Ezips here for CSM Practice, the customer success strategy consulting firm. Today, we're going to talk about what to do when you experience serious technical issues with your customers. I mean, how to handle situations where things go really, really wrong. Think about outages, think about tier four support tickets where your customer is usually furious. And so today I have Sean Ruan from the UK who has worked with a lot of customers and ran into a lot of these situations in the past to spill the beans on how should you handle this situation going forward so that you can deliver and handle the situation more appropriately. If you are a customer success manager or someone that works with customers and every now and then something goes really, really wrong and you want to know how to handle it, stay tuned. We'll be right back with all the advice you'd ever need. Thanks everyone for joining us again. We're going to deal with what to do when things go really, really wrong with your customers. So maybe first of all, we'll just qualify. What does it mean really, really wrong, Sean? How do you describe that situation? What goes in it? What does not go into that qualification? I mean, I think the first thing is it's relatively subjective depending on your software, your business, different levels of this. I guess in terms of a baseline, when things go really, really wrong, there are probably two main factors that I would consider code red, if you will. Number one is something that is completely unexpected. And two, it prevents serious access to a lot of functionality for a large percentage of your customer base. Now, if you've got those two scenarios that are, are meeting up, you're probably in the situation where something has gone really wrong. What's the number one advice you have for those who are listening to this? And they actually have the situation happen at least once a quarter, once a month. Like it happens a lot or it feels like it happens more than it should. I think the number one thing is be mindful that in this situation with your customer base, there is no such thing as over communicating. You cannot over communicate in these situations. I would rather annoy my customers with updates and emails than go radio silent and think I'll only talk to them when I've got a tangible, meaningful update. If in doubt, lean towards over communicating every single time. So that's the number one thing I would say, regardless of anything else, don't be worried about over communicating. And you actually have a process that you encourage your customer success team members to follow? Yeah, step by step process that we do. So I can walk through that if you like. So yeah. I think that once you've identified this issue and you know that it's uh, impacting a large percentage of your customer base, maybe all of them, and you know that it's meaningfully impacting them, i.e. large chunks of your core functionality cannot be used in a meaningful way. Like an outage, right? Exactly. Exactly like an outage. Let, let's imagine this is an outage. It's a really good way of wording it. So you've got an outage. The first thing to do is just look internally to the different stakeholders get as much insight and information on the issue as possible. That's the number one thing. Why? Because the moment that you start communicating with your customers, that's what they're going to be asking. What's gone wrong? Why has this happened? When will it be fixed? 
So going armed with as much knowledge about the situation as possible is going to be really helpful. Who would you turn to internally? Like, who are your typical go-to people or go-to roles, functions? So if we've got an outage, let's say, the first team that you want to be looking for is the product or engineering team. They're probably going to be the, the ones that will have the greatest insight into, into what's happened here. So they're probably going to be the first team that you're going to be looking for for some insight if we're dealing with an outage. Great. And what if you don't have any information? So if you don't have any information, that does sometimes happen. So what you're going to want to do is set up an agreement with that team to say, I'm going to check in with you every 30 minutes to get some kind of update at that point. And in terms of communicating with your customers, it's also okay to let them know that we're not quite sure about what the issue is, but rest assured we're working on it. What if it's not an outage, which we know is temporary? What if it's like a major bug in their system? That's also pretty critical, right? Yeah, so if it's not a major outage, I mean, I guess what you need to be looking at here is how you can limit the damage here. So if it's a bug on someone's system, is there any way of being able to ring fence that bug to make sure that it doesn't affect other customers or other pieces of functionality? Now, if it only affects one customer, let's say, then what you want to be doing is probably taking this approach that we'll discuss and tailoring it very specifically to that one or two large customers. If they're large, setting up Teams call and saying, we're going to need XYZ from you. ABC from us. Right. So in order to even query and find out what the issue is, because if it, it's not an outage, it's something very specific to that customer. It could be something that's in their systems, something that they have changed internally that's just impacting the way that we integrate with theirs. And that's why nothing all of a sudden works or the data is inaccurate. Exactly. So I think the, the same approach that you would take internally with your product or engineering teams, the same approach that you would take with the customer. So the first phase is research. We need as much information from you and us to figure out what's happened here. If it is on your side, we need to figure out what you've done, when you did it. And with that information, we can come together to try to resolve it. So we identify that there's an issue. We communicate it to the customer what we're going to do next. We connected internally with cross-functional teams to better understand what's going on or come up with a plan on next step if the, if the incident is just related to one customer. And then what do we do? The next thing to do is commit to a frequency of updates. This might actually be where some customer success teams might actually stray from the path. You've let them know the, the initial issue and you sometimes adopt a radio silence approach until something is positive. Take the other path and say, I will update you every 60 minutes, every 90 minutes. And even if there is no update, I will just let you know, currently, as of this time, no update, still working on this. Give them that commitment and that promise so that they know for their internal stakeholders, every 90 minutes or 60 minutes, I will be getting some form of update from the business. You know, I had spoken to some customer success managers that they had a major issue with the customer, but it took them like three, four days to even find out what the issue was. I think the 30, 90 minute update is a little bit aggressive for that one, right? But but even then, after they found out what the issue was, you couldn't even fix it for another, sometimes like a couple of weeks. First of all, because 
your R&D is bombarded with issues. Let's say that the product is not stable. So these kind of issues happen quite a bit. And you literally, maybe it's not a production halt, but it's something that's very, very important to your customer. Like let's say a tier three versus tier four type of ticket, still very, very important to your customers. They're furious you haven't fixed it. It's been two weeks. You've got nothing because your R&D or your engineering team just simply doesn't have the time the bandwidth to deal with it because there's so many of those kind of requests. What do you do then? Just initially, just coming back to your first point of an aggressive 30, 60, 90 minute update, you know, for three days. Totally agree. I think in that situation, that is probably unnecessary. What I would say, though, is up until the point that you know it's going to be taking longer than seven, eight, nine hours, commit to that until you know otherwise. When you know this is likely to be days rather than hours, communicate with the customer and say, I'm going to be changing the frequency now because of this new information. So always kind of make sure that the length of update matches the length of resolution in that sense. Even though the customer would prefer having it fixed in one day, and you know that your engineering teams could potentially fix it in one day, but they simply don't have time. You tell them, no, it's going to happen in seven days. You would still stick to your guns and stick with the truth. Every single time. Yeah. And sometimes that made us at times kind of unpopular because product engineering teams understandably is a grave embarrassment, you know, professional reputation. You don't want to be oversharing too many of these issues. The problem you've got of being a true customer success professional is absolutely, I need to give you honest updates. Now, you don't have to go into a massive, massive amount of detail where you, you ruin the entire credibility of your business. But honesty is always the best way, always, because the truth will always come out one way or another. I would still maintain healthy amounts of honesty in those situations. I love that. And it ties back to another video that you and I have done on top 10 customer success manager skills. Definitely authenticity and honesty is definitely one of them. So this is a great example when you would be that with your customers so that you don't lose your trusted advisory relationship with them. Absolutely. Yeah, very, very important, especially during these types of moments and scenarios. All right. So you identify the issues, you research the issue, collaborated with other teams and let your customer know what is going on and constantly updated them based on you know your understanding of when is this issue going to be resolved, any kind of updates or no updates, just keeping them in the loop consistently, keeping an open communication. What's next? Yeah, you're absolutely right. You've got to keep that. You basically, at that point, you're, you're in a holding pattern, right? Of whatever frequency you're doing, it's just that update holding pattern. Now, at some point, you're hopefully going to break that pattern with a resolution. Now, usually the release of the resolution is secondary to finding the solution. So once your team have identified how to solve it and when they think they're likely to solve it, again, another trigger point to share that insight. Again, once it's been verified and it's a valid update, of course, but once you are confident that this is the problem, this is the solution, share and say, we think that we're on a two-day, two-hour resolution window here. Always add a little bit of extra padding, of course, because you've got so many unknown factors. If you think you can fix it in an hour, maybe commit to three hours. Not because you're trying to save your reputation is actually to give them realistic timeframes of communication and prep time and things like that. Because if you commit to say this will be done in 30 minutes and they say to their superiors, it'll be done in 30 minutes and it's not, 
you're going to give them a degree of embarrassment. So always make sure that you're understanding their world when communicating that first trigger point of we've got a resolution. This is when we hope it's going to be fixed. Yeah. And also 99% of the time, or I would say even a hundred percent of the time, something will go wrong. <laughs> so even like if everything goes smoothly, it takes 30 minutes to fix or two days to fix. And then, you know, we have to test, we have to check, we have like nothing ever goes in the exact duration that it takes to code something or script something. There's all these other things that needs to take into place to really truly resolve something. So you're giving your internal teams a little bit of a breathing room to make those kind of like outlier type of errors if they ever come to those. I actually think that's a healthy thing because you're setting up more realistic expectations with your customers. Very true. And the one thing I would say around timeframes, with CS, you are that bridge between your internal teams and the customer. In this moment, I wouldn't say that it's down to the CS team to dictate timeframes. They can share pain points and apply the healthy amounts of pressure for certain reasons to internal teams if needed. But ultimately, it's the product engineering teams that come to us in CS and say, we think this will take two days. And then you you ask them, is that with the right padding? Are you comfortable with that? And they say, tell them three days. Let them lead that and you just communicate that insight rather than dictate to the internal team. They're the experts. They're the ones working on it. And you don't want to be the ones to put them under internal pressure. Let them lead you. That's a good point. I think, first of all, you're absolutely right. Just know to ask the right questions because a lot of times... Technical folks would give you the answer of how long does it literally take them to code something versus making those paths. And so I think for marginal errors for everything else included in it. So I think it's important to ask them, right, if you can. And then the rest just communicated back to your customer. All right. So you communicated to the customer. What do you do if the customer says that's unacceptable? That's too long. I think the first thing is to make sure that customer feels truly heard in that moment. I think, again, this comes back to our other conversation we had about emotional intelligence. This is really where you need to be relying on your EQ initially, because they're going to be amped up, their stress, their professional reputation is on the line. Uh, they're getting internal pressure. So firstly, empathizing and understanding what they're going through. Secondly, regulating how you respond in that moment. You're probably very stressed out and tired at the moment because you're dealing with multiple different customers, probably with a similar attitude at that point. So being able to regulate that, make them feel heard, understood, and just explaining. So firstly, reiterating the timeline and explaining why the timeline is that long. I've found in, in the past that emotions can be amplified when customers are not getting what they want probably because they don't understand why they're not getting it. So by being able to articulate in some level of detail why it can't be an hour and it has to be 12 hours will help. It might not calm the situation down, but it will at least help provide a degree of logic and rationale. So if it's not good enough, make them feel heard, act in a, a professional way, a polite way, and then give them a degree of explanation. That can help. At this point, the reality is the reality. And it's very, very hard because you just want to solve it for them. Following those steps will at least help maintain a flow of conversation. So let's say you gave them an estimate for time to completion and resolution, and you missed that deadline. What do you mm -hmm. recommend to do then? What have you seen super helpful in those situations? Firstly, before we miss the deadline, it comes back to, if in doubt, 
over communicate. So just because we've we've set a line in the sand and we've said this will be resolved in two days time, the communication doesn't stop. Still provide them timely updates. Now it might not be every two hours at this point, but it might be an update in the morning and an update in the evening when the working day is finished, for example. Now at that point, at some point you're going to know that we might not be hitting this deadline. So you're going to have to be honest with them and provide them plenty of time to say as soon as we know that we're not going to deliver tomorrow communicate tell them bad news now is always better news than bad news later making sure that they are in the loop as unhappy as they are at least you can hold your head up to say but I was honest and I kept you in the loop with what I knew so I think that rather than dealing with a disappointed customer at the end of the expected resolution time, you're dealing with a customer 24 hours ahead, which is always going to be slightly easier. Do you sometimes recommend bringing in other folks from cross-functional teams into either discussing the solution or the proposed solution with the customer, or when we miss the deadline, to just realign expectations to solidify that integrity and that authentic connection with those customers and reestablish trust? Absolutely. Yeah. And and to be honest, some customers may lead you down that path anyway. So at some of those previous conversations, they may say, I'm going to bring my head of engineering in because this is an API issue. Great. Read the room, meet them where they're at, bring in your head of product or head of engineering, if you can, to meet them where they're at and the type of uh, insight. So number one, you're absolutely right. Bring the right people in for the call. And in terms of the overall relationship as well, in situations like this, the more senior people you can bring on, the better. If you can bring your CEO on, theoretically, and have her personally say, I'm really sorry about this, but we're working on it, and I want you to know that I'm here through this journey. There's a lot to be said about bringing more senior people on as well to make them feel heard and seen. So you've done the communication, you communicated the solution, you gave them a debrief. What's next? So let's imagine that, yeah, you're absolutely right. We've actually successfully deployed a solution, a resolution. The first thing to do is to send a summary as to what was done, what was fixed to say, look, this was kind of a top level view at this point. We're not going into too much detail. We're saying it's been fixed. This was the issue we identified and have released this solution. And with some remedial steps, it might be that the customers need to do certain things on their configuration settings, whatever it might be as part of this fix, to be very clear on what they need to do to embed this fix. And then the last piece on that is commit to following up with them with a an incident report and say, look, we're going to compile an incident report and we will commit to get this to you within seven working days. Is this the very last step in the escalation process? Yeah, this one here is the penultimate one. The, the actual last step itself is compiling that incident report and sending that out five days later, let's say. Now, that incident report needs to contain a timeline of events. So you want to be making sure you're looking back and recording what happened and when. You're going to be looking at what the problem was, what the resolution was, and what your learnings are. That's really important for a customer to understand that you've taken a step back to analyze what went wrong and why and why this won't happen again as well. Having that in a document that they can share internally is really, really important to round off that whole incident. What have you seen happens when customer success managers say, eh, I don't have time to write that report. 
I can skip that. I think they got it. I think they know why we did it. I think they, they understand what happened. I don't need to write that report. What happens? Well, I guess two parts to that. Firstly, our incident, incident reports have always come centrally, um, typically from the CEO, actually, to add some weight behind it. So if you can get your CEO or CIO, CTO to send it, even better. So typically, we know that all customers will have received it. That's number one. There's no kind of no escaping that incident report. For those customer success managers that say, look, I don't think we need to do this. Definitely a warning sign for me for two reasons. Number one, that customer is probably at risk for reasons you might not be aware of. And two, you want to be digging into that customer success manager to just understand in a non-judgmental way, why? Help me understand why you believe this isn't the right course of action. Because we can fix this, but I need to understand why. Hey, I think that you have shared not just what the customer success managers should do, but this is clearly a cross-functional effort. It's a company effort. And so anybody that's listening to this should probably sit down and write down how are they going to handle outages and major critical technical issues with customers and really make sure that they have a workflow diagram with the swim lanes for each team, even the CEO potentially, to really say, how do we want to present ourselves as a company and own these type of things so that we elevate the customer experience, we don't lose our trusted advisor, and we strengthen the partnership as we go along through these ebbs and flows of the relationship. Totally agree. I recommend downloading Sean Ruan's infographic that's currently on our website. Go to csmpractice.com and resources and infographics and those just be there. I want to thank you, Sean, for your time today and sharing all your experience and expertise around handling outages and when things go really, really wrong with customers. I think everybody benefited from all this tactical advice. 